this podcast Charlie Berger from Oracle talks about how some of the businesses are using machine learning and advanced analytics to stay competitive so stay tuned Welcome everyone to another episode of Future of Data podcast today we have a special guest uh, Charlie Berger uh, he's a senior director product manager oracle machine learning advanced analytics and strong technical and product management skills communications marketing and leadership background and um, i i got a chance to work with uh, charlie a, a while back when he he was a keynote speaker at at our conference in boston and he did a fa- fabulous job and since then i was thinking of uh, engaging him with our community and thank you charlie so much for picking up the the tab and and quickly jumping on uh, to share your wisdom welcome to the podcast uh thank you uh thank you for having me so definitely i didn't do a, i didn't do a good job in 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 going through all the nicks and 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 cronies of your background i know you have like 30 years of experience and with 15 and with with oracle and I was looking at your um, your past ex- like every big data and and analytics keyword that you are hearing from Gartner's hype curve you have worked in almost like most of those things so that was what I was very fascinated about uh, in connecting with you so why don't you walk us through your journey uh, to to your role today what what was your like what's your journey okay i mean going back from the beginning like you know yes. go to college and continue on that kind of thing okay okay Uh well um well I've always been uh in my family you were always an engineer the, the question was which type of engineer were you going to be and and uh I turned out to be a uh operations research industrial engineer out of the University of Massachusetts really just down the street uh I'm here in the Boston uh, suburbs right now but uh, I went there for uh for uh, undergraduate and then uh was at some point going to go off and get a masters and a, actually a PhD in what would today be called machine learning but it, I was kind of drawn into the sort of the real world rather than the academic world and I got a job at uh, Honeywell. Honeywell had a manufacturing management program that was very analogous to GE's what they called MMP program. It was a 3-year rotational job program so I worked in a bunch of different things including robotics and machine vision uh implemented in the manufacturing uh, operations there but I, they also sent you to school. So uh, at Boston University uh going at night while I'm working and raising the kids, raising a family and all that stuff. I got a couple other master's degrees, one in uh, manufacturing engineering which is essentially, you know, statistics, applied statistics, uh um various kind of manufacturing kind of engineering kind of things, uh, a lot of applied math, simulations, things like that. And then also the um, you know, uh, the masters of business administration which was probably a a big thing back then. Um so since then I I I I finished the MMP program but I got sort of wowed by this field of robotics and machine vision so I I left and joined a company called Automatics which was a spin-off of a uh, Computer Vision the first uh, CAD company and uh we at one time were the number one machine vision player uh and uh, number 3 I think in robotics supplying General Motors and Ford and I was a manufacturing engineering manager production supervisor all the above cuz it's a startup company but it was just a lot of fun seeing all the robots kind of dancing around at night and systems tests and everything um from there I went and joined an uh, an expert systems company Palladian down in Kendall Square and worked with uh, again some I've always had the pleasure of working with really really smart people you know I've always just been delighted to work with you know people who are all smarter than me you know really really brilliant people and so at the Palladian expert systems company they were all MIT or Harvard people MIT list programmers or Harvard MBAs or whatever and uh and and we had expert systems for finance and then expert systems for for operations and that's what I was uh, attached to that I was a product manager for the operations advisor I guess from there I joined a company called Volt Branick and Newman Volt Branick and Newman along with along with Al Gore invented the internet those are the guys that did ARPANET and oh. and invented the internet they also had uh, they they were basically an MIT spin-off um they did the acoustics for the United Nations they did the uh Kennedy assassination tapes they were the acoustical experts that did that um they always would do research projects um get government funding do something and every now and then they spin it off so the division that I was uh, they had speech recognition they had supercomputers the butterfly supercomputers and so on uh and I was attached to the um uh statistical analysis experimental design design of experiments quality control all that kind of stuff during deming and quality control and TQM that whole area so I was there for about 9 years from there switched over into thinking machines 
Corporation, which was kind of taking statistics and going on sort of the steroids, on steroids and going to, you know, neural networks, uh, K-nearest neighbors, clustering algorithms, all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, running on supercomputers, but we, we commercialized that. Uh, I was there for about three years as the uh, VP of product management and marketing. And then we got acquired by Oracle. And so that mm. happened in 1999. And I've been... Um, almost in the same office, you know, pretty much <laughs> for, for quite a while now. And, uh, and we, we, we took the algorithms that we had done and we said, let's, let's redesign these things and let's put them natively inside uh, Oracle's, you know, very popular uh, Oracle database. And so we've since moved them out into other different places, but, but that's how I got to where I am today. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. So let's let's talk about talk about your current role, whatever you can share. Like what, what do, so senior director, product management, Oracle machine learning and advanced analytics, what, what does that really mean? Well, like any kind of product management role, you're, you're sort of in the middle. Uh, you're a technical guy, but you're also a technical guy that can talk. You know, I don't, I don't write the code. If I did write any code, it'd be, you know, I write some code, I guess, but it's, it's, it's bad code, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I copy and paste somebody else's code for a demo or do things like that. But, but more, I, I sort of am in, am in the middle, uh, like any product manager, between customers on the one side that are trying to use the product and, and have their demands, have their requirements, they're trying to, you know, solve a, a check fraud or they're trying to get better, healthier outcomes or they're trying to do a recommendation engine or something for a manufacturing a steel factory or whatever. And, uh, and they want to know how, how does your product work? How does it support it? How would you solve these problems? So I do a lot of that. And, and, and then on the other side, uh, I work with the developers um, trying to, uh, I guess, communicate, you know, requirements and feedback on the product, but then working with them to, to try and help design um, new features, new functionality, new types of things. Um, so I, I, I sort of have one hand in both, uh, both sides of that. Um, and then, and then also one of the things I'm kind of excited about, so I do a lot of, uh, a lot of that. And then the other thing I also do is, uh, uh, more and more over the years, I've been spending a lot more time working with other application teams, mostly Oracle, mm. some external ones, but a lot of Oracle ones because, you know, the Oracle database and now with big data and big data lakes, lakes that undergirds a lot of sort of larger, um, applications that are, you know, built on top of this, uh, um, you know, we may not be the, uh, uh, you know, what's on your iPhone, or we may not be what uh, the, the Windows operating system or Excel, but your enterprise is probably undergirded, in all, many of them at least, by uh, Oracle technologies, Oracle databases, Oracle big data, middleware. I mean, Oracle is, is growing to be quite a huge company. And, and all of the applications, like we bought PeopleSoft, we bought, uh, uh, I, lose, I lose track of them, um, but we, we, we uh, Taleo, Siebel, uh, um, uh, we, we, we have quite a mm. broad offering. And many of those applications are sort of the traditional application you've been used to over all the years. And now that we have the data in an Oracle data management platform, we have an application. Well, it makes sense to look at all that data and just add in a little wid- widget or a tab or a, some sort of recommendation or prediction. So we spend a lot of time, uh, I spend a lot of time these days also working with other application teams trying to uh, build out and design and, 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 and uh, you know, predictive applications interesting interesting and thank you so much for, for walking us through your present role so now now let's before we get into 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 the meaty stuff i want to also d- talk about oracle what is what is oracle's role um, so number one in future of data and then obviously in, in your machine learning and advanced analytics so what what are some of the some of the cool things that oracle is into uh, when, when we talk about future of data when we talk about machine learning or advanced analytics well, well, I mean, Oracle has been, and I'm not the right guy to try and talk about all of Oracle. It's like that, you know, elephant and the seven blind men that I see Oracle <laughs> yeah. from my point of view. There are plenty of other people from Oracle that can tell you more about their point of view. From my point of view, it's all about the data, right? Where's the data? Who's got the data? I can't do a single machine learning thing without, you know, at least a few records of data. So the good news is that a lot of people over the years have chosen to put their data in an Oracle database. I think per for IDC, I think we have something like I don't know, it's a forty-two percent market share, or something like that. Mm. And and if you if you take that market share and instead of doing it market share for dollars, if you were to say, you know, the amount of data, right? You know, like how many records and such. I, I've never done mm. the math, or, or I don't even know if it's published. But my my belief system 
um, from having uh, you know been here for a while is there's a lot of the mm. planet's data somehow in an Oracle system. Um, and so what does Oracle have uh, to bring to the table? Well, what we've always had, you know, this safe, secure, scalable, fast access, uh, enable your business intelligence, enable your applications. It's what sort of undergirds all of what you know uh, things can be, but it's a changing world, right? And, and with machine learning algorithms, we've all watched enough science fiction and we have enough applications that we use today. I mean, there are countless, I don't want to name all, you know, different uh, uh, products and vendors of different things, but there are uh, countless. Uh, um, Amazon, you go and you get recommendations. Everybody does that. Before I go on, on vacation to get my new science fiction book, I'll go to Amazon and click around and whatever that, you know, Amazon robot suggests, I'll usually say, that's a pretty good idea. Um, based on what I've liked and not liked before. Um, Waze, I, I forget who bought them. Google uh, Maps, I guess, bought Waze. Mm. Waze will predict how long it's going to take you to go from here to there. Uh, based, you know, so, that, so, so we're seeing this it's machine learning and predictive analytics and what some people are calling AI. I'm not a big fan of that, but because what, I've lived through the AI winter, I'm a little cautious <laughs> before I you know, start using that term. But, but, but there's, there's this more and more growing expectation that you should see some sort of prediction, some sort of insights. I shouldn't just store my data. I should, I should think about that data. So it's almost back to the old thinking machines thing. And instead of saying, you know, here's all your purchases, you should say, here's all your purchases. And by the way, here's the next five things we think you probably mm -hmm. do want to purchase. And that's more like information. Um, there's, there's a book that I'm, that I'm reading here. I'll just hold it up and give the guy a promotional thing, Naked Future by Patrick Tucker. Mm. I'm a big fan of this. I'm using it to inspire, uh, um, one of my talks at Oracle World, but it's basically on the notion that if you have so much data and you know, uh, and Oracle has a lot of this data, sometimes it's not an Oracle, but a lot of times it is, you know, and, and with data lakes and, and sensor data and so on, the notion is that, you know, uh, I have, I have a, a leave a digital exhaust of whatever I do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Facebook uh, pictures, uh, tweets, uh, GPS uh, geotagging of anything I do anywhere I go. Um, so, um, there was some sort of study, I think that said, uh, looking at it about a bunch of anonymous tweets for, I don't know, maybe a year, they could figure out where you're going to be on a particular day with some like 90% accuracy a year and a half out, hmm. you know? And so, so you really start to say, well, I don't just store data anymore. I, I bring the algorithms to that data. I make that data, um, cough up more information, more value, more predictions, more insights. And I think that's, that's where you'll see Oracle, uh, um, blossoming in the years to come. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. So thank you so much, by the way, uh, for, for shedding light on, uh, on, on, on journey of Oracle uh, in, in this machine learning and advanced analytics space. I think one more thing that I was um, pretty keen on learning from you. Um, so I, you have you have a, 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 a good background in machine learning, right? So how has machine learning evolved? I think you briefly talked about uh, AI winter, right? So what if you can if you can shed shed some light on on, on like what has been your experience uh, so far on what you have seen and what you are seeing today? If you can sh shed oh. some perspective there. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, it, it's just all applied math, right? I mean, you know, that's all it really is. And and if you go all the way back to Bayes' theorem, you know, Bayes from what, in the 1700s or so, right, with, with conditional probabilities and stuff. In fact, that's what we put inside the, you know, in the database. It was such a simple uh, technique. Also, the uh, the a priori market basket associations, mm. they're just counting. And the, mm. and the database counts things like that, you know, 512 degrees of parallelism and, and count all your Walmart, you know, purchases. And I don't know, you know... A few minutes, um, and so we can we can build predictive models doing very very simple technologies that have been around for years and in, in, in many different uh, Kaggle studies and contests and, and and performance and speed and deployments. Uh, something as simple as a naive phase algorithm, which is you know for the for the audience that may not know, it's just conditional probabilities. You know, how many times does the person who buys a motorcycle are they uh, uh, a male uh, between you know 15 and 25 versus a uh, a woman between 80 and 90, you know, and, and you just count all those different, you know, binned variables, you, you, you get a probability and, and you can make a prediction um, or at least gain some insight. So, so I start 
at the very beginning of those type of things, obviously it's evolved quite a bit. We were doing a lot of neural networks back in what the late 80s, mid 90s or so, uh, but they were really slow. They were really, really slow. And, and so, so when you ran them, you'd, you'd run the decision tree because that was fast. You'd run the logistic regression because that was fast. You may not be able to ingest state, uh, uh, spatial data or, or unstructured data because the algorithms couldn't ingest those kind of things in those days. We, we do that now. Um, but but uh, uh, you wouldn't run a neural network unless you had a lot of time to spare, right? Well, now you can run the neural networks pretty fast. Now you go sort of in the realm of deep learning and cognitive and and, and right. pre-built models of, of, of different things. You can you can do you can do quite a quite a lot. So it's a whole spectrum of things. But but to me, I mean, there's 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 always like if you look at R or or or, or, or Python, there's always and we interface with R very well, by the way. Mm. Uh, and we push it down to the to the proprietary algorithms we have inside the database, or also in the in the, in the Hadoop Spark world. Um, but um, but there's always a new. This this uh, I've been around the business as you know for a while, so to the mm-hmm. point where I now have opinions on things, right? Right. And and my my opinion is that there's far too much focus on this bleeding edge, cutting edge algorithm um, that that is probably really cool and does things amazing things, but it's like. I, I, I don't have to wait for next year's algorithm to arrive in my showroom store, uh, and that's the only one I can use. Um, good old Bayes' algorithm for like 200 years ago is still not so bad. And if I'm not doing anything and I'm having you know, patients with unplanned surgical readmissions or, or people that are, that are falling on the hospital floors because they're taking some sort of a, uh, a anxiety drug or some sort of thing and their, their, their blood pressures are low and they go walk into the, to the restroom or something and they take a fall, well, I don't have to wait for the most state-of-the-art algorithm to have just been published out mm. to CRAN or a Python or to do that. I can, I can get a lot of work done today. And so, so to me, uh, I mean, we have, we, we have product pitch for a minute, okay? We have mm. support vector machines. We have K-means clustering. Uh, all these things can ingest transactional data like purchases. They can ingest uh, unstructured data like uh, marital status is a, is a bunch of uh, comments or a paragraph or something or, or an e- e- uh, a police report or a legal document. We tokenize all that. So these are not your standard sort of 2D checkers version of algorithm implementations. These are um, uh, um, 3D, ch- 3D chess sort of versions. They, they handle sort of a nested data, unstructured data, all sort of automatically as part of the data management platform. So we, we have, I don't know, a priori, neural networks, random forest, decision trees. We have anomaly detection, a one-class support vector machine that's quite cool. We have principal components analysis. We have uh, explicit semantic analysis. We have like about 30 different algorithms across, I don't know, I never really, you know, 5, 10, 15 different categories of things. So in each, in each, in each category, like supervised, unsupervised, regression, classification, uh, feature selection, feature extraction, we usually have two, three, or four algorithms in each space. Um, but after that rant about all the cool algorithms that we have and everybody else have, my, my opinion is that there's far too much emphasis on having the perfect algorithm, you know, mm. and, and that it's much more about um, the data. And, and uh, usually it's, it, I always say that if you're trying to predict something, um, it's like that old, there was an old game show on TV years ago that used to say something like, what, I think it was called, what's my line? What's my line? Mm. And, you, and, mm. and the, each of the different people could ask the question like, you know, are you a male or a female? Well, you don't have to mm. waste your your, your money on that question because they, they respond, you can kind of take a guess. Oh, it sounds like a mm. woman or it sounds like a male. Mm. But you might say, you travel a lot, you know, or mm. have you ever been to uh, uh, the Antarctic? You know, and, and you have to be really careful about what the, the, the questions you have uh, that you ask because with the answers to, to, to that, those, that data or the answers to those questions, that can give you a much better, more accurate, more useful prediction. And so, for example, um, I bought a hybrid car recently at the Toyota RAV4 to give them a commercial. Uh, Toyota RAV4, it's a great car, but I, I surprised myself and I got the hybrid version. Um, still not sure why. I think it's because of my millennial twin daughters that kind of talked me into it because I'm not saving money on it. I'm, I don't drive enough to save the money on it. Right. But there's some factors for why I, I have a hybrid car. And, um, and I think the factors might be, has anyone else in the household previously purchased a hybrid car? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and does anyone, and, and whether or not I have a random forest or an XP boost or whatever, that variable, even my dog's neural net can figure these things out, right? And so, have you ever purchased a hybrid car in the family before? Do you have any millennial uh, people or what we'll call natural crunchy green type of people or whoever mm-hmm. that, 
that have strong beliefs and opinions about uh, hybrids or electric cars over gas guzzling cars. Uh, are you in Texas? Well, maybe I'm just guessing. Maybe that's people that mm. uh, maybe buy hybrid cars less than than people in, say, uh, uh, Massachusetts or California. So, getting your hands on the right data uh, is 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 to me way more important than than getting the perfect algorithm. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. You, so um, this thought actually remind me of a recent conversation I have one of, one of the professor from I think BU. Um, so the conversation went so he was talking about how mathematics was uh, invented as a tool to visualize. uh data right so basically contain all the observation and and because there was not too many visualizations available then so you have to sort of it's like you put a linear equation and just try to see okay i i see the behavior i can contain it in in in, in an equation so right. i can predict right. with, with 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 certain error right but now now uh with the 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 exhaust of numbers that they were talking then when these models were created were were tiny right and 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 the numbers that we are talking right now this is this is mind boggling like we recently heard that youtube said hey i don't know how to how to write a billionth view and we have to change our algorithm to to accomplish they have never imagined that youtube someone can actually get a billion view on on just one mere video so having done that um, do you think uh, and wearing your statistician hat that the the mathematics that's in that sort of design previously and we call it error bar sort of when we start seeing those errors when when numbers grow up needs to be revisited considering the current scenarios i'm not i'm not i'm sure i'm not sure i really understand the question you're saying that you have more data do you have to have better ways to depict the error in that data something like that so so would you, so would you think that we need to read evaluate the mathematical models even right so that can work in today's scenario we have things like a uh, non-negative matrix factorization we have something called uh, mm. uh cur cur uh, um i forget the exact name of it but uh, it, it's sort of like a feature reduction row it's like uh, intelligent sampling to say i have 10 billion people and 5000 attributes on those 10 people on those the people can i boil it down to uh, almost like all the Noah's ark you know a smaller representative sample uh, representation mm-hmm. of everything that's out there and, and there are algorithms that do that today uh we've had the uh, nmf algorithm uh, for a while that that came out of a uh, genomic uh, use cases we do I, for a while i was doing a lot of stuff with the human genome project i guess i forgot to talk about that but but to me there is not a lack of uh, math there's a, there, there's a huge lack of um application of the math and uh uh if you look at um i mean uh, countless examples i'm going to i'll give you the example i use all the time it's probably overused but it it works for me i go to my atm machine my atm machine i slide my car in the thing and it says hello charlie burger what language do you want to use mm-hmm. as if i change languages from you know day to day week to week often um mm-hmm. and instead i expect in 2017 for me to slide my card and i have it i have it pop back with a recommendation saying oh charlie it's friday night do you want to take out an extra 100 dollars cash like I've noticed you usually do on Friday nights. Now mm-hmm. I can do that with a lot of different things. Um now one of the things that we do by the way, um I mean I said before we have about 30 algorithms inside of our each of our platforms, the data lake and in the database. And to me it's the and then when I work with these application teams it's all about the clever combination of these things. So it's it's not about one little data set and one algorithm and one output. It's about assembl- assembling an analytical methodology. So Um, I don't know if you if you knew or remember, but I, I was slightly involved. I had a few fingerprints, but other guys uh, did a lot more of the real work. Um, uh, Marcos Campos and uh, Peter Stengard actually the, uh, with us uh, on the on Oracle's initial win in the Americas Cup. So I don't know if you remember when he, when when Larry Ellison the Americas Cup mm. won yeah. in 2010, and mm. and they they came to us and came to me and said, Hey, I heard you know you have machine learning, maybe they can help us win, and you know. once once you start you know getting over the shock of like uh oh this could go well or go wrong um we we did a, i did a little bit of analysis i brought in some other people that are a little bit smarter and 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 they came up with a very clever methodology uh which was to recognize the wind weather environmental conditions 
uh, were different on each leg of the race. If you watch the America's Cup, the most recent one on TV, it was beautiful to watch. Um, the, the boat goes, I don't know, it tacks, mm. goes this way, goes that way, and it probably has like uh, eight or nine or ten different segments of the overall race to navigate their way around. Well, those eight, nine, or ten different segments are actually completely different races. Because one, you're going into the wind. The other one, you're going down the wind. This way, you got a crosswind. Here, the water's choppy. There, on the other side of the island, the water's very flat. So part of the analytical methodology in that case, which just to be automated in any kind of application, was to do clustering, identify which kind of weather, water, wind, race conditions you were in, apply the cluster to your, uh, you know, to identify which cluster you're in, apply it. Okay, Charlie's in this cluster. He's behind. He's on the back side of the island. He's got winds up high, flat waters here. And in those kind of conditions, now do a logistic regression, a, a, a multiple regression model, trying to optimize this this variable called velocity made good, which is which is which way you're going to go. Um, so it's situational modeling. Now you could do the same thing for fraud detection, right? Uh, you and I are not exactly the same people. We may buy exactly the same stuff, but maybe you buy all your stuff at night and I buy my stuff in the day. Or maybe you pay for one big bulk purchase and I pay for all my purchases in, in little tiny uh, increments. So I could cluster us and a lot of other different people. I could assign us to, um, you know, pocket clusters, slightly similar people have 10, 15, 20, 1,000 different clusters. And then because I can pipeline all the data and all the math and all the analytics, it's just part of like a long running query inside the database or on the Hadoop platform. Um, I can then take the output of the clusters as input to my one class anomaly detection algorithm, right? And I could say, oh, people who submit very frequently small regular things are usually of this type of uh, uh, population. Let's see what's unusual for those people. These other people are like all over the place. They're unpredictable, sometimes big, sometimes small, infrequent, sometimes, you know, it's a different profile and have a different path. So I can, I can do that. Um, sorry, my caffeine's kicking in here. Here's, <laughs> you could even do more. You, you, you could also, in the database, we have something called um, uh, partitioning, partition by. So I could say, well, I want to do all this, but I want to partition those by state. So now I have 50 different flows going through that are all this, this complicated flow, but the first order sort is what state am I in? And I could do state partition by state and gender. So now I have a hundred different flows. So you can see how, you know, the person sitting around saying, I have all this data and I, I, I got to download the, the latest and greatest algorithm for CRAN because I read a white paper that's the best, you know, algorithm. So you can see sort of my point of view is like, why are you playing around with data in a small little laboratory kind of way when you could go full scale production with using analytical power tools and get your job done, you know, quickly. Um, that, that's sort of my, my point of view. Yeah. So, so um, I think so. One more, one more area that I, I need need your opinion on. So, appifying the the concept of appifying nowadays. I think so. Since now we are pretty much the world is moving, and and every time we talk to a lot of businesses, uh, every now and then we we hear about, hey, have you tried this particular app for this particular particular analytics or whatever, right? So now basically creating a, a very compiled analytics app uh, to deliver an outcome. Yeah. Now Oracle is a different landscape altogether, right? So Oracle comes with, it, with, it, with its ecosystem and then you have to get into the ecosystem and then probably you can do whatever, right? Yeah. What, are, what is your perspective on, on appifying analytics, right? So what, what, what's your take on, on what it is happening in um, like a lot of startups emerging with with their with their their use cases, they do like one use case really well, and businesses now are befuddled of okay, should I buy this ten products or should I buy just one um, ginormous ecosystem that may or may not? So what's what's your perspective on that? Well, it, it it's sort of the same thing that when I, I told you I did the human genome project kind of stuff. I I was uh, lucky enough to be the uh, the PM lead for a. a small team of very, very smart, very capable uh, product managers who had like PhDs in biology and chemistry and text mining and things like that. And, uh, and what we would do is we would, we would uh, meet with a, like we had a customer advisory board of, of, of a lot of people that were uh, very smart people at, you know, biotechs and pharma, pharmaceutical companies and academic research institutions and so on. And what I, what I found was 85 or 90 percent of all of those operations had standardized on the Oracle database. If they had decided on their own, perhaps with the help of an Oracle salesperson, they decided that the Oracle database was pretty safe, pretty secure, pretty backed up, pretty uh, uh, auditable, all scalable. It could handle, uh, you know, you did not want to put all your data into something 
small. You wanted to put it into you know the best place because that was your IP, your genomic information you got off of uh, the sequencers or whatever. That was what it was all about. So you put it in an Oracle database. But then when it came down to doing some sort of analysis, um, uh, like the, the Broad uh, Institute just down the street, we had a guy, Pablo Tamayo, that I worked with for a number of years. He's down at UCSD now. But uh, but he would be down at the Broad Institute, and, and he would go on about how, you know, the, the way people would do it too often was they would they would say, well, I want to compare these genes and how they're expressed versus whether or not you have this disease or that disease. Now, he wrote some seminal papers in 1999 about uh, gene data mining gene expression classification uh, uh, and, but but to do that originally, he would take the data out, use, I think he was using S before R came around, he was using S or whatever, but uh, uh, but people would use SAS, S, R, whatever. And, and he would do that, but then he'd say, and then we'd go take it from there, and then you'd kick off a literature search, and then you'd go do something else. And there would be this sort of like a little bit of pearl, and kind of string this whole thing together. And at the very end, you, 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 you had a publication or a white paper or a PowerPoint or some sort of finding, and then if you looked backward, and said, well, I'd like to just sort of automate this whole thing and repeat and keep going. It was all just bubble gum and, you know, analytical tape and, you know, it just never was reproducible. So a lot of it was give just a little bit more thought to what you're trying to do. Look in your data management platform and realize that over the last 30 or 40 years, it's gotten, you know, pretty smart. You can do a T-test, an F-test, a, a NOVA, Pearson's correlation. All those things are embedded for free and every scalable. We expose that via SQL. We expose it via R. There's there's the ability to do unstructured data analysis. We have graph uh, networks, networks, the ability to analyze and manage networks. So if you really kind of, you know, we're going to do something, maybe you wanted to build your new company on a more, um, uh, on a better platform. Now I've had, I can't mention names, but some very smart people in my office here talking about, hey, Charlie, uh, we just have this whole text mining solution we're going to do. We're doing it uh, maybe with legal documents, and we want to automatically route the legal document to this person or that person, depending on the, the, the statements in the document and the dollar amount and the word, you know, fractured ankle versus uh, broken femur, you know, and, and we want to sort of do all this stuff. What do you think about this really cool application and solution? Uh, and my question would be, well, what was your reason for not building it inside the data management platform? Because, you know, most of what you're doing everything you're doing is, is actually in the better data management platform. In fact, I think many, most or all those features were free anyway. And nowadays it's up on the cloud, so it's even easier to get. So you asked in the beginning, you know, what's Oracle's role? It's like, well, you have your data in an Oracle system because it's important for you to store, manage, secure, or whatever, then you probably want to analyze it. And, and, and so why would you pull it out to some other system? Now, there are plenty of good reasons why you would and plenty of good tools to do different things. But I would, I would say I would want to give just a little bit more thought to why wouldn't I build it on a little bit better uh, sounder structure. Um, Interesting. You know, that, Interesting. That's, so, that's why so, I would say to start it. So let's, let's talk about um, briefly about your experience with advanced analytics, right? So what are some of the challenges um, that you see when, you, when, when it comes to say, deploying analytics in, in any particular group or, 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 or a particular product or service? What are some of the challenges that 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 you see are uh, pretty predominant? I say, if you can shed some light. On oh, each, 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 I mean, each thing's different, right? Um, uh, with with some customers, um, uh, I'm just thinking of various different customers off the top. I mean, you, you got a whole spectrum of things. It's like those, you know, maturity adoption kind of curves. Some guys are right on the tip of the curve, and they're trying to do something that is that is the most cutting edge thing. They're trying to, you know, you, you do analytical world peace, if you will if you will. And, and it's like, well, guys, just do something a little bit more straightforward. This is your mm -hmm. first time doing it. Or you're very good, but you're trying to boil the ocean here. Try to do something a little bit more achievable. And, and, and on the other hand, you, you have people that are still sitting around not, you know, saying, well, we're going to send somebody off to take a class. Well, you should have done that like three or four years ago. I mean, it's 2017 now. So I see a whole spectrum of people. But I, I think the most thing, the, the most important thing, it's almost like, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, trying to get fit exercise wise. The hardest thing to do is get off the couch, you know, and start doing something somewhere. And, and you need to also have that commitment from the upper level management, too. So to me, it, it's no different than um, I thought you might be asking a, a question like, you know, sort of, you know, so how do I say an organization get started or whatever? Uh, and, and, and so I guess tied to that kind of, um, you know, aspect of it. How do you, how do you get started? Um, and it, to me, it's very analogous to the old, uh, Six Sigma black belt stuff that I think General Electric and different people came out with. You get a small group of people that you that you hire or train to get very good at the stuff, and you, and you have some sort of centralized department where those process you know engineers, those data scientists, whatever you want to call them, uh, 
data analysts, domain data scientists, experts, whatever, live for their career, for their, you know, they, they all have PhDs or masters and they're the, they're the sort of like the analytical think tank, but they don't, they don't stay in that think tank. They get deployed or embedded. They get embedded in the, in the, in the research department. They get embedded in the marketing department, the customer support department, and they kind of enable and train other people to do things. So they become more like, uh, the lead person, but every one of them should have like two or three people they coach. And, and uh, so it's almost like a fitness trainer, right? Go out and recruit people, get them a little bit more analytically aware. It, it's almost like, um, you know, a long time ago, if you remember, it used to be, well, I, uh, I got to deal with a spreadsheet. I need somebody that knows how to use Lotus one, two, three or something. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a ridiculous kind of point of view today. Everybody knows how to use Excel uh, or other different tools. So I think the same thing's going to be happening with, uh, I've got all this data. I just want to send it up to the cloud. I want to get a real-time prediction on what's the, you know, show me the most anomalous record. Uh, here's 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 100,000 expense reports. Load them up to the cloud. It's like getting a FICO score. Have a pre-built model that's up there that someone's already published and shared. And, and just say, show me the top 2% most uh, anomalous or suspicious uh, expense, expense reports. It'll cost me like $7.50 to ask that other machine learning app to do that. Right. I mean, that's the you, you, you've got to start somewhere. And that's that's where all this stuff's going, I think. Interesting. Interesting. And n now let's let's talk about the enterprise IT. Right. So if, if, if I get back to Oracle, so Oracle is very tightly bonded with enterprise IT, DevOps and all yeah. those all those guys. Right. So how is that landscape changing with the with the advent of machine learning and advanced analytics? Because it's it's almost like merger merger of tech and business, right? These verticals are very yeah. sort of loosely in the middle. So how is that? How is enterpr enterprise IT uh, shaping from your perspective, or or eating it up? You know, it's sort of ubiquitous. It's everywhere, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. I I think of countless different stories. Uh, uh, well, here, okay. So the, the the story that just popped in my head, uh, enterprise IT. I guess nothing better, another big, nothing bigger than uh, a whole country putting all their mm -hmm. uh, medical healthcare data into an Oracle database. So. Um, at Oracle World, um, uh, I'll be co-presenting. Mostly, they'll be doing all the talking, but I'll I'll be uh, introducing them and you know say, having a few words and then and then uh, and then introducing them. The UK national healthcare system um, it, it, it is standardized on Oracle technology, mm. and it used to just be all on-premise, and now they're migrating everything all up to the cloud, and they're doing you know I think in my opinion all the right things. And so they have uh, I think the uh, Parliament asked them. Uh, you can imagine the same kind of thing in the United States. Hey, I've got this national healthcare system. Could you use some more analytics, all this stuff I'm hearing about, to find fraud and abuse and waste? Mm. And can you help us do better outcomes? So they're both using it to, you know, fight evil, if you will, and to do good. And uh, and they, they uh, the people that are there, I don't want to mention any names uh, exactly, but uh, um, you can see their talk at Oracle World if you go there. But uh, um, it's all public. Um, but uh, um, they they started out with uh, the, the the data scientists there and the DBA um, had a lot of data in the database. They hired the data scientist. They, they they said, well, all the data is in Oracle. I heard about this you know sales pitch or whatever that they, you know they have statistics and they have machine learning in the database. Let's use them. We paid for it. Let's use it. And so they just started looking at the data and doing simple things like sorting. You know, let's just sort all of the uh, dental expenses. Let's do some more derived variables and let's push that through some anomaly detection and so on so they they have since uh, about a year and a half almost two years I think they've identified maybe it's less time than that I think they've identified on on the record they say 700 million great British pounds of identified fraud of uh, potential fraud of which this is like six months ago I'm waiting for the latest numbers of which 300 million 300 million great British pounds of that I'm sure they have more than paid for their Oracle technology more than 300 million of it is confirmed fraud. And the punchline, though, they, they can only tell so many public stories. Some of it's written up in the papers and things like that. And the, and the, and the one that I like, that, they, that the, one of the few stories they say publicly is they found the dentist through all this sort of, you know, looking for anomalies and, and, and machine mm -hmm. learning and such. They found the dentist that uh, was charging that they were, that he was doing, uh, drilling 85 cavities per hour. And so they kind of said, really? You're wow. pretty good. Uh, charging for how many things and so my understanding is that person is going to jail um, so those are the kind of things you can do but it started with with a, with a DBA um, who who has you know done a lot of good things working and supporting the data scientists and not you know schlepping the data out to some other analytical platform which traditionally people have done right 
There's a lot of really good traditional statistical tools. There's a lot of really good open source and traditional data mining, machine learning kind of tools. But in this case, if I'm going to calculate, uh, you know, a, a square root or, or do a neural network or, or build a decision tree or a cluster, I think I don't have to move the data anymore. I can do it right there. So, so um, uh, that's the type of, I think, enterprise shift that you have. And, and I'll, I'll go a little bit further with you on that, Vishal. I'll, I'll get science fiction on you here. I, I think that it's not too far in the future that for every variable that you have stored or attribute we, in the database land, we call it our data management land, we call them attributes. For every attribute that you have stored, gender, age, income, checking account balance, savings account balance, you know, number of cars, blah, blah, blah. Um, there should be an associated predicted value of age, income, checking account, whatever. Because what is it? Y is a function of X sub I, one through N. All the data is right there. I told you we brought the algorithms to the data management platforms. All it is is just a, uh, it's just running a script, right? And 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 in in you know product slides, I would show you that today in 2017 on a on a properly sized data warehouse sort of platform where you have all your you know UK uh, you know all, I don't know how many citizens are in the UK, but all their dental rec all their dental data and expenses and all that kind of data is in a in, a, in an Oracle uh, database system data warehouse. Uh, um, for, for uh, uh, you know, the, the, the example demo data that we have for benchmarking, 640 million records, 350 variables, 500 degrees of parallelism, and I can build a uh, k-means clustering algorithm or a logistic regression or decision tree. How fast? One, two, three, four minutes, mm. right? Really fast. And then once I've built that model, I can store it like in, you know, OLTP kind of like the previously built model becomes a SQL function. So it's not PL SQL. It's not an outer loop out to uh, you know some CRAN package or, or, or shift it out to some traditional statistical package. Um, it's just a it's just a function. So it's like call up all customers whose last name begin with B, for, you know, or Burger, and and show me their age and compute the square root of their age. Okay, you believe all that and make a prediction that they're going to have a fraudulent claim or that they're going to have non-compliant taxes or they're going to buy a particular product or whatever. That is just a row-wise SQL function. It's just a score. So anytime I could look up anybody's record, I could say like almost like minority report, that old movie, what's the likelihood something's going to happen? And I could do that okay. for pretty much every variable. And then now when I go to look up my bank account, you know, record for, for all my customers, I could say, well, Charlie Berger, you have $6 million in your savings account. That's amazing. Good for you. I don't, but you know, let's say, um, but you know, there's this prediction value that says, I think you should have $35 million. So where are you hiding the rest of the money? And why can't we put it in our savings institution? So all of the data that you have is just a look into the history, as everyone says. It's not so hard for us to also very easily have data scientists with the right tools and like access to the data to very quickly make predictions on everything too. And then now when you get to kind of compete, uh, the actual versus predicted, it just makes everyone operate in a whole lot. It's like it's like driverless cars. You know, it's, a, it's just a smarter way to go. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a prediction at the end of the day. Interesting. So um, <clears throat> I think it, it, it reminds me of one, one of the conversation I have with one of the um, chief risk officer of one of the largest bank in the world. So and he was he was talking about uh, a very interesting perspective. He said, Vishal, since the hacks are, are the like uh, vulnerabilities, they come from anywhere. Right? So they could come from any any nicks and corners. So the 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 solution to address them could also come from any 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 nicks and crony of the of of the ecosystem. So he was talking about gigifying analytics. I think this is the first guy I've 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 heard who used the word gigified and um, gigifying analytics. So I said okay. So he said world needs to like I I can imagine in in the future of data, we would be uh, gigifying even uh, like analytics. So one guy come up with a solution. So basically outsourcing the modelers in in in, in certain ways, and they come in sort of and and deliver my my perspective. What's your take on that? Uh, there's always this, you know, can I automate the modeler? And, you know, honestly, I don't care. Uh, I, I think that that, that, that that something can be automated. And, and they're, they're like, if you go way back, uh, the KDD Cup uh, a long time ago, I'm trying to remember the, 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 the name of the, uh, the company that won. But what they did was an automatic, they didn't do, do a whole lot of automatic modeling. I guess they did. But the main thing they did was a lot of feature, automatic feature generation. Um, and so it was like uh, uh, lags, you know, um, uh, and, and changes between lags. There's a lot of automated feature 
um, creation that I think you can do with a little bit of intelligence, a lot of intelligence domain. But I, I think a lot of the stuff also boils down to, I mean, when I work with all these different application teams and a lot of different customers, what I find is if you try and spend too much time trying to take the data scientists and take all their magical logic and everything and automate all that stuff, it, 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 it always is a harder, slower path than just saying, hey, Joe or Sue, or you know, you know the business, what are the top 10 variables that are driving things? What should I know? Like, like if you're hiring a, a first round draft pick in the, in the NBA, right? And you got all these kids that are from different countries, they're, they're, they're somewhere 17, 18, you know, what's the first question you ask? How tall are they? Because <laughs> you know? if, if they're over seven feet tall, maybe you want to hire them, right? Uh, how fast are they? How many points per game? You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Now, if you just had, you know, what their tweets were and, and what their Facebook pages were and, and, and their blood pressures and all this different stuff, that's fine. Um, there's another thing I read uh, recently about the Kentucky Derby. Uh, that there were mm-hmm. all these predictions that the, the, the fastest, best horse that was going to win always had to have the pedigree of some other mm-hmm. horse that uh, had previously won, and that was that was mm-hmm. that was uh, like Moneyball. It's the same kind of logic, you know, right. the old yeah. institutional belief systems and so on. And one of the variables they found that was by far and above the most correlated was a, something about the ratio of the the primary valve coming out of the heart. Now I should know, you know, what this is, but you know, the heart main valve size compared to the rest of the heart, and if it's like really big compared to everything else. And that meant it really pumped the blood out really fast. Uh, and that was the biggest, strongest correlation with an outcome. So I'm a big fan of enabling the domain experts who have domain expertise and, 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 and problems to solve. And, you know, they, they just know that nobody buys wool in the summertime. You know, they buy mm. cotton in the summertime, that kind of stuff. Enable those people, just like handing them Excel years ago. Now you're handing them very easy to use machine learning. But, but also, most importantly, immediately automating that so you solve a problem in day two or three move on to the next one solve that problem move on to the next one and now everything you have is a much more uh you know it's a better future you'll get less bad robo calls you know they, they will know do not call visual and charlie they're not gonna they're not gonna buy anything anyway uh but you'll you'll have uh you'll have a lot better uh uh world and society i think if you just get uh, get the domain experts to be able to use the uh, the knowledge they have combined with the, the new uh technologies that are available interesting interesting now let's 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 talk about uh, a lighter topic, uh, and we're almost at the, the tail end of the conversation. So, your favorite read? So you showed uh, the Naked Future, right? Uh, yeah, I like uh, it. I like it. Yes. Not the best so book what, I've ever what read, else? but it's got a lot of interesting things. So what's 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 your favorite read you could recommend for our audience? Uh, I, I got another book. I got another book here. I'm reading. Someone else is going to be upset because I didn't grab mm-hmm. for their book. I like this book. That was a good book. Big Data by uh, Schoen. It's a lot. I mean, I read this two, three, four years ago. Victor Meyer Schoenberger and somebody else. Yeah. This was yeah. a good book because it has a lot of good stories, <laughs> but a little bit more, a little bit more science fictiony on you. Um, I'm reading this new book called uh, uh, Homo Deus. Homo Deus. Um, hmm. a, a, the, ta- the tagline: It's a brief history of tomorrow. Homo Deus: A brief history of tomorrow. And it kind of puts all these things together. I forget who it's by, but it's uh, Homo Deus, like D E U S, like mankind, the mm-hmm. next generation. I guess you know, brief history of tomorrow. Where are we going with all these different kind of things? And uh, and and I like reading some things that when you read it, you go, yeah, of course, that, that mm-hmm. that's very logical. That's got to happen. That makes so much sense. Um, so those those are two two current reads that I like. How about how about you? Do you have a current read that you that you like? You're willing to share on the podcast? Oh yeah. I, I... Uh, I think recently I have I have you done. Put you on the uh, spot, but I figured I'd I'd ask you. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. So um, recently I have I, I read um, Anti Fragile by Nassim Taleb. So again, I think a fascinating book. So so his perspective is you we call fragility right? Fragility is something you 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 give some force and it breaks right? And if you say what's what's opposite to fragile, people say rigid or or, or robust. But robust is not really opposite, right? Robust means whatever I put, it stays the same. So I said yeah. the, the opposite to fragility is anti-fragile or anti-fragility. So his perspective is you shake and it gets stronger. So that's that's yeah. the entire. So his perspective is if, if you can use some kind of feedback mechanism uh, yeah. in, in sort of bringing the noise and making the system itself or the signal itself stronger. So yeah. very interesting perspective, by the way. I I, I love that's my recent uh, read that I did. So pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't quite I didn't quite catch the title. So if, at the end of this whole thing, if you remember to send me a link or whatever, or just it's, type it's, it out. It's, uh, it's it's anti fragile. Anti fragile. 
Yeah. That's the antifragile book. Okay. Okay. I, I, I've got that one then. Um, yeah, so, so, he, so he's the guy who, who wrote Black Swan. So, an investor turned philosopher. So that's why I, I love, yeah. I love his his way of thinking because I think he he, yeah. as a statistician, yeah. that's like we are we are all looking for our Black Swan moment, right? So from that perspective, yeah. this is it's, it's pretty exciting. So that's my yeah, my that's latest one. That I'm, yeah, I'm pretty exciting. It's on, on my list now. It's on my list. Thank you. You would enjoy this. So before we part ways, uh, love to have your closing remark for our audience. Uh, uh, closing remarks. Um, I, I guess I'd say uh, um, if you, if you're watching this because you're kind of interested in machine learning, I assume if you're really good at it already, you're probably not watching this. But may, who knows? Maybe you are. Uh, so if you're just starting out on this journey, good luck. Uh, I think it's a fun journey. I think I think there's just so many. I mean, I, I've got kids that are you know recently off into college and coming out of college, and actually one of them is a data scientist. It turns out, and and I just think uh, uh, that it is such a, a promising career because there's just so much data out there to be analyzed. I mean, you just know there's you know nothing's you know. I asked a guy at Gartner or IDC or something one time, uh, what percent of the world's data that should be analyzed using machine learning stuff uh, mm-hmm. has been analyzed. And, and I was waiting for his answer because I thought he was going to say, oh, we're at 25% saturation. His answer was something right. like 2 or 3%. And I said, exactly. I, I agree with that entirely. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, you know, good luck, everyone. Uh, if, if Oracle technology uh, helps in any way, uh, uh, the idea of bringing the algorithms to the data resonates at all and it can help in any way, give me a, give me a call or, or a shout out or whatever like that. And, and, and have some fun. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, it's always different. You're always finding new some new things. So so, uh, and I think it'll probably change the world. So I, I look forward to all the all the new developments. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charlie. Uh, it's it's been a ball, and definitely uh, love to have you back at some point and and talking digging more deep into machine learning and and your initiative. What uh, what and and thank you so much for candidly sharing your perspective and bringing Oracle in it as well, sharing their perspective. So I do appreciate your time uh, with our audience. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Yeah, I, just, I, just, uh, I just, thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable. Don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once. That's it. Then I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down. I hope I'm not up on a certain